you're about to listen to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio Network. To listen to other shows just like this, go to foureyedradio.com. Like our show, Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast. Where we talk everything and anything about Pokemon. Learn something new. Like, did you know that every Pokemon card is misprinted on the back? The ball centerpiece opens on the wrong side. <laughs> what? I'm going to have to check that out. But yeah, you can learn stuff like that, which I just learned right now. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? <laughs> yeah, bruh. Pow! Uh, to listen to this show, find us on <laughs> foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. We're still watching Spider-Man 2017, also known as Marvel Spider-Man, also known as that newest Spider-Man that may or may not be still on, may or may not be current. But you can watch it on Disney Plus if you'd like to watch it along with us. Uh, soon enough, we're not going to be able to say newest Spider-Man because I forgot about that show that's not really actually aimed at the same age group, but like, uh-huh. there's that one that's supposed to be coming out eventually. I don't know when. Wait, what are you talking there's, about? It's like, it's like some, I think it's aimed at a younger audience, but it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like a, I think it's a CGI cute sort of like almost chibi style Spider-Man, but with like Miles and Gwen also. Oh, I saw a thing for that. Yeah. yeah. Wait, but so it hasn't that's come out yet. Not out. So we're it not hasn't wrong come yet. out yet. Okay. <laughs> hasn't come out yet. Got it. Forgot about that. I mean, you know. I did too until like last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad we're still watching this show because this show, uh, we've said it many, many times, is uh, its reputation really does not match what I am experiencing watching this show at all. Yeah. 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 Even. um. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Even the stuff that I that I there's de- you know there's definitely things that that come up that I don't really like about it, but sure. there's so many areas where it's like surprising me so much with the with the kind of weird or interesting or new angles it takes on things that I did not expect. Yeah, um, you know this episode in particular like goes in a lot of directions that I was not <laughs> was yeah. not anticipating whatsoever. Yeah, fully. I I was going to say, I feel like this this episode is a good example of exactly what you're talking about as far as like, there are some things that the show does that I'm like, meh. And then there are other things that the show does where I'm like, hell yeah. And I feel like this is a really good example of that because this episode, actually for two reasons, I feel like will be an interesting one to talk about. One is that I feel like for me, there was a lot of stuff at the front of this episode that I was like, eh. Yeah. And then by the time we got to the end of it, I was like, oh, okay. That's one reason. Second reason, which I'm just going to address right off the top because I don't think there's any better way to do this. It's no secret we watch these these episodes two at a time. Mm -hmm. And I will say off the top, when I first watched this episode, I was much lower on it 
than when I watched it having watched next week's episode. So I'm going to do my best to try to remember how I felt watching this episode for the first time (laughs) because I have seen what happens next, which I think affects or affected how I felt about the events of this episode. Don't know if you felt similarly. Yeah, yes, I fully agree. Fully agree with you, actually. <laughs> I actually will say I should be up front, too, because, yeah, this is this is breaking how I've done with, for this podcast ever. But I've watched far, far beyond this uh, this episode, actually, at this point. I was which is the first time I've ever, I've ever watched that far. Really, and, and to be fair, I mostly, mostly did it just to get to a point because we're not going to cover all 26 episodes of this season, like in one block, because that would That'd be, be like half a year. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're so we're going to cut it just, just so listeners know in advance, we are going to kind of chop the season in half and take a break and then come back to it, you know, months and months down yeah. the line, probably. Um, but I was trying to, but, but I was trying to figure out exactly what would be the best stopping point. Cause yeah. it, like ha- the exact halfway point may or may not have like worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I actually have watched through like episode three, 13 i think gotcha, which gotcha. Prob- or 14 14 no episode 13 but on disney plus it's episode 14 because of the origins thing right. which is like a, just over halfway through um but i think that actually probably will i would say it will be when we just end this section of coverage for it yeah but that makes sense. i've watched significantly farther and so that is the thing that i also am going to try to keep in <laughs> mind as 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 we're doing this is sort of like I there there are definitely things. I think this is a show that does a really nice job of building on the building on the thing the foundation that it sets up. Um, sometimes in I think really surprising ways. So like there are going to be things where I where I think that our initial our, our, our initial look at it will then have to be amended once we see what comes after it, which happens with every show we cover, right? That where we, mm-hmm. where we aren't familiar with it, but it'll be an exercise for me to just yeah. sort of like remember to separate those things and how I feel watching the episode like kind of in a vacuum and pretending I don't know what comes after yeah. it. <laughs> no, I had a feeling. I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you've brought it up, I had a feeling because I feel like there are some times or there have been a couple times where like I was getting spectacular vibes when I would be like, I wonder like how this will go. And you'll be like, we'll see. And I'm like, well, he's not saying anything. So I think he knows. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. And yeah. Yeah. Which isn't giving anything away. You haven't given anything away, but yeah. <laughs> I was wondering that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, although I didn't, it was only this last weekend that I watched that far ahead. I wasn't, I was only like maybe a a couple of episodes ahead that I've been like two episodes ahead of us most of the time with the exception of the Sandman episode, I think was, was where I'd stopped. And then I picked it back up again and just like plowed through a whole bunch of I'm thinking of our conversation regarding like Venom when I was like, I feel like he's seen more than I have. (laughs) Yeah. There's some stuff that I know that like I just know from hearing about it online too, like by accident sometimes. There are some um, things I've been reminded of simply yeah. by having lived through the marketing of the show. Yeah. Um, and these two episodes, uh, this week's and next week's, have reminded me of some of those things. And I'll just, you know, yeah. I don't think it's a problem for us to acknowledge yeah. that there are certain things we're going to be reminded of. Um, kind of like when we mentioned, like, there is an entire season called Maximum Venom. Like, right. we can't pretend not to know that, you know? But. And there's a lot of, I mean, with stuff like that, with the Venom stuff, there are images that I've seen, but I don't know the context or, like, when it happens. So it's sort of like, it could be a Maximum Venom thing, or it could be a, something completely different that happens in the first yep. season. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. Venom's already here, so who? So I don't know. So that it's still, um, it's still like, a fun adventure to, to yeah. find out. So yeah. Yeah. Well, let's dive into this one. This one, um, because I feel like there is maybe a lot to say here. I'm not really sure, but I, um, I at least have feelings that are pretty 
pretty, uh, I don't know. There's dimension there because I feel like the first half of this episode and the second half of this episode made me feel very different ways. So I agree. There's a lot of pros uh, and cons in this episode. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. Let's dive into this one. So this one is, uh, like we said, Spider-Man 2017. This is season one, episode seven, and it is called Symbiotic Relationship. And here is the synopsis from IMDb. Spider-Man has a new black suit made out of V-252, but not all is as it seems. Oh, really? Our vaguest premise slash synopsis yet. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I wonder, wonder what that could be about. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Oh, the original air date for this episode was September 16th, 2017. If that sounds familiar to you, I somehow I guess you've just memorized the the air dates of the shows that we've that we've brought up in past episodes because uh it's the same day as the previous episode and will be the same day as the next episode. They actually aired oh, uh, wow. three episodes on the same day. Oh wow. Definitely had to have made like an event out of it, I guess. I don't think I agree with that decision. I don't think so either. I because think it's one of effective. my critiques will be that I feel like some of this happens a little too rapidly. Mm-hmm. So for it to all happen on the same day, I feel like uh, when you have the 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 perfectly good reason to spread it out and draw it out a little bit more is certainly a choice. Yeah, yeah, because these episodes, the, the three episodes that they air- aired are not like to be continued part one, part two, part three no. necessarily. Like they obviously are part of it, like kind of its own arc. Yeah. But but I get it from a marketing standpoint because, you know, this is what everybody's waiting for. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um. Anyway, so this episode was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt. They are very frequent collaborators. I think most things they write together, actually. So they've written together on tons of Marvel shows like since the 2010s, including Iron Man, Armored Adventures, uh, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Avengers Assemble, Ultimate Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, those Rocket and Groot shorts. And they've also written on the 2013 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, which we've done an After Dark commentary on on our Patreon as well as Super Dinosaur, which we've heard about before, Star Wars Resistance, oh. Ninjago, Transformers Rescue Bots Academy, all things that we that have kind of come up in very, at varying degrees at various times. I was going to ask if Star Wars has ever come up, but Clone Wars definitely has. Yeah, I think Rebel, Rebels has come up a bunch of times, too. I don't know if Resistance has, has I don't come think it up. Has. Yeah, which that's one that I, I really know nothing about that one. Yeah, same. Uh, Burke and Wyatt also both produce a number of shows together. So um, they've done a lot of like producer stuff um, and actually became supervising producers of this series starting with season two. I think they were just like consulting producers in the first season, but they're definitely kind of big, uh, big influences on on the um, on the creative side of this show for sure. And just a fun fact, one of the few credits that they don't have together is uh, that Wyatt actually his very first producing credit was on Napoleon Dynamite. I love that. Yeah. Because I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. I think he also produced on the uh like the cartoon adaptation that came after it too. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this episode was directed by Sol Choi. He's directed uh, the last few episodes I think we've talked about actually, but uh, we talked about him a little more in depth on our episode number 80. And I think unsurprisingly, based on the events of this episode, we are playing with the pieces on the board, uh, which isn't uh, especially typical for this show, at least this early on. But we got everything we need for this episode. So yep. no one no one to really talk about here. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. So then I think we can just get into this episode. Let's do it. Yeah. So it opens with the newly black suited Spider-Man 
swiftly and boastfully stopping a burglary committed by a number of crooks, coincidentally in a traditional red Spider-Man mask. They are even like, oh, when people, when they see the security tapes, they're just going to see men in Spider-Man masks. Ha ha ha. Like... I think they even say, like, in these stupid Spider-Man masks. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's just like, (laughs) oh, you guys, right, you bought them. And also, like, your brilliant idea was to wear a mask to a robbery. No one's ever thought of that before. How innovative. (laughs) I bet they're all going to be super confused and think that three Spider-Man men's is... Just robbed this place. <laughs> yeah. Again, they're not in co- Spider-Man costumes. No. <laughs> it's just like a clearly like store-bought face yeah. mask. So, yeah. Um, then, Sp- so yeah. So Spidey's, Spidey's here foiling this burglary. He uh, sings the praises of, of his new suit as he um, uh, as he stops them. And then we also see him saving a boy from a burning building. He stops a purse thief. He celebrates three more wins at home after this on this like scorekeeping whiteboard that he has. So like I, I, the, the ego thing is happening, right? Like he's just full of himself very quickly. Um, kind of very much in like the Spider-Man three vein, I I would say. Yep. But, uh, they established that this is very, very early in the morning because it's actually before school. So he's just been up all night. We have to assume doing this stuff. Yep. Up all night, just stopping crimes left and right. Mm hmm. I like, I do like in that burglary scene, um, that like when they're kind of commenting on Spider-Man attacking them, they're like, oh, that clown barely knows how to use those powers of his, which I think is kind of like fun pointing out how early in Spider-Man's career this is. Like yeah. that even civilians are like, yeah, but he's like the new guy, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not that big of a deal. Well, and it makes a lot of sense because the it's it's clear that the universe is beginning to open up more. And uh, and so it makes sense that you're going to get more of this acknowledgement of like Spider-Man's place in the greater New York City scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that, too. I also like that he can hear them and it's just like, oh, buddy, you have no idea. Just literally right. rips the roof off of their vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ay, yeah. Ay, ay. Yeah. I also like the kind of darker kind of like minor key version of Spidey's musical theme that they use when he's in the black suit, too. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah, like it. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So since this is very early in the morning, like you said, before school, he goes home. He marks his little whiteboard, like you said. And then Aunt May stops at his room to let him know that breakfast is ready. Um, he lets her in the room because, you know, he doesn't have to spend any time changing out of his suit anymore. Just it's gone. And she comes in and basically like points out like, Peter, you don't look like you've slept. Like you really need to sleep. You look very tired. He, of course, being, you know, hyped up on stopping all these crimes is like, eh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Nothing's wrong here, Aunt May. And just as he's doing that, his phone goes off and alerts him to another crime in progress, which he, of course, intends to go tackle. So he passes on breakfast. Um, He tells Aunt May that it's actually Horizon business calling. And uh, he just heads out. And Aunt May comments to herself that she's never seen Peter seem so intense. So right off the bat, we're getting all these little bits and pieces of Peter being more confident, borderline arrogant, um, being intense, not sleeping, mm-hmm. and really just sort of like going ham on the uh, the black suit Spider-Man superheroing yeah. business. I do have to say one thing that I, I, I don't like about this scene, and there's, a, I think, maybe a couple moments after. It's, it's kind of a minor thing, ultimately, but... Like, I like the writing of the scene. I don't think the 
character designs or even really the performances really work with it because Aunt May comments that he looks exhausted. Another and person later on in the episode <laughs> Yeah, another person later in the episode also comments that he looks exhausted and in both cases they don't do anything to make him look exhausted. Like he doesn't even have sleepy eyes. They did. They could have just drawn like two extra lines under him. Like yeah. they drew on Alexi, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's nothing there. He looks completely normal and almost kind of stone faced when she says it. So it's like, mm, that's no, you no, he doesn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I agree. I definitely noted that too. They could have literally just like, um, like messed up his hair. Like they could have yeah. done literally anything. Cause I do think that that's an effective thing where it's like, the fact that he is up all night, like that's a very classic symbiote thing mm-hmm. where it like drains Peter of his energy because it's keeping him up all the time or using his body or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that that would be effective, but it's kind of rendered inert when it's just like, he does it. He looks fine. What do you, what? Well, <laughs> especially also- when he's acting fine. Right. Cause you could do, you can do things with him looking really tired, but insisting he's not like that mm-hmm. juxtaposition is what clues us into the fact that something's wrong. But if he says he's fine and he looks fine, then like, what are we supposed to believe? Yeah, and I also like I like her line saying like I've never seen him so intense, but I I I don't feel like he in that scene the way it's performed he's acting particularly intense. Like I get what they're going for with it, but yeah. like Peter is always oftentimes pretty intense like in his natural state, you know, Especially like just this one. A, Yeah. Um, like it, it's usually more of like an excitable intense, but still intense. It, if anything, in this scene, he's like calmer than usual. Maybe that's what's off-putting to Aunt May. I don't know. But intense doesn't doesn't really match the performance he's given off in in, in that yeah. scene, and that bothers me a little bit. No, I agree with you. I think uh, I think some of those things are the things that I was referring to in the first half of the episode, where they're just kind of like telling us some of these things yep. and not reflecting it on the screen, um, yeah. which which creates sort of a, a bizarre bizarre situation and i think they're doing it so that they can rush through some of this stuff unfortunately yeah um it ends in a cool place which of course we'll get to but uh until then it's a little it's a little off-putting i fully agree there could have been another episode out of hundred percent i can see why they wouldn't want to but i think they should have anyway yeah i agree i agree yeah because the pace of this episode is off the chain for sure oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah in a way that we haven't really seen before on this show yep so this crime that he sees is happening at a waterfront warehouse, which, uh, what's up, warehouse? We don't actually go inside, so it still feels sort of like a new setting, but yeah. uh, we've, we we have a warehouse, everybody. We yeah. have a warehouse. <laughs> I'm here for it. We haven't so, seen one in a long... I'm almost nostalgic yeah. for a warehouse. I know, we right? We haven't seen one in so long. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not going to say bring on the warehouses, but I'll appreciate this one. <laughs> um, so we end up at this waterfront warehouse and Spider-Man clashes with uh, about a dozen AIM agents. He sees just one at first and then realizes there's a bunch of them. And of course, they think they've got him because they're like, well, there's just one of him and there's a bunch of us. This is just another opportunity for Spider-Man in the black suit to really show off what he can do because he defeats them very handily. He humiliates them uh, by taking like a selfie with them and saying he's going to send that to the police. And also it serves to seed AIM, who we haven't really seen before. It just allows them to use them. I don't know what their plans are, mm-hmm. um, but they've officially been named in the show. So we'll yeah. see what, what comes of that later. But in this case, it's uh, it's just another way for him to show off what he can do in the black suit. So after he after he takes care of these AIM agents, he notices Vulture flying nearby. And of course, he's like, that dude's supposed to be in prison. So let me do another crime stopping thing. So he he pursues Vulture, 
and he pretty quickly catches up to him. He uses his webbing almost like um like rain like the reins of a horse on Vulture. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he like flies him or like directs him to fly to a nearby prison and then like downs him right in front of the prison, which not gonna lie, kinda cool. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know uh I know it's not gonna end up being cool, but kinda cool anyway. Oh yeah. Um so I thought that was that was kind of clever. All while preventing Vulture from using any sort of sonic scream. So two birds, one stone. I like it. Literally. Well, yeah. well not, yeah. <laughs> one bird, uh, a lot of web. <laughs> but uh, but the, the reason it, it do, it's not cool in the end is because when he actually downs him at the prison, Vulture reveals like, dude, I'm innocent. I've been bailed out. I, I'm like, you just assaulted me uh, and I wasn't doing anything. And of course, Love. Spider-Man's like, excuse me? And Vulture, like, pulls out papers. I don't know what these papers are. But he pulls out papers and shows them to, like, the officers at the prison. And they're like, yeah, it, it appears that Norman Osborn has bailed this guy out. And Vulture's like, yeah, he did. And all I have to do is be a faculty member at Osborn Academy. So, uh, yeah, you assaulted me. <laughs> Spider-Man's like, oh, God, what? No. This I guy's love, a bad guy. This guy's a I bad guy. That. I love that. Because even the, 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 the cops are even, like... Are even like, do you want to press charges on Spider-Man like, yeah. for assaulting yeah. you? Like, it's great. Yeah. Um, it's and I also love the idea that it's like, I, I I guess you don't really. I feel like normally when like in superhero stuff, when a hero or villain or whoever have been released from prison, they just like go back to their civilian life. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that Vulture is like, this isn't like a legal tech or whatever. So right. if I'm not in prison, I can just fly to work in my Vulture suit. Why not? Yeah. Well, cause my first reaction was like, well, of course, I mean, like I get where they're, where they're coming from, but of course, Spider-Man's going to assume he's up to, up to evil because he's in his suit and everything. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, but the suit isn't why he went to prison. It's what yeah. he did with like in the suit, you know, right. The suit itself is, is I guess technically not a weapon. I guess the sonic enhancer is, but like just him flying around isn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really funny. And then I thought it was brilliant for Vulture to be like, no, I'm not going to press charges because I'm starting anew here. Yeah. And I'd, I'd rather just avoid all the spider shenanigans, which we will see come up later this this mm-hmm. idea that he's trying to start start anew yeah. but spider-man of course is obviously perturbed by this and he does say this this line that stuck out to me a bad penny is a bad penny no matter what side it's on um and i just thought that was a notable quote mm-hmm. uh, based on everything that's going on yeah never heard uh never heard that idiom before but i hadn't either definitely <laughs> s- stands out i guess <laughs> yeah the sentiment though like thematically yeah. given yes. this is a especially because we have you know, Vulture being released from prison and trying to start new at the same time that we see Spider-Man sort of spiraling into something we can expect uh, that is less than wholesome. Exactly. Exactly. I also, I like just a little minor bit, but the the, the cop um, or security guard or whatever he is, um, when Spider-Man shows up, he's just like, he refers to him as Dark Spider-Man, just like <laughs> offhandedly almost. Yep. And Spider-Man's just like, I you don't, that's not, I'm still Spider-Man. Like, Just you know, not change the name. But yeah. I like, I, I think it's kind of funny because like in the world of superheroes, it's just like, oh, they're in like, they're they're acting, you know, erratically and in a darker costume. Guess that's the dark version of them. And it's just like, <laughs> they just goes with it. Well, it could be that, but I, 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 it could also just as easily in a world of superheroes, just be like, I, I know we haven't gotten to the version of the show where there are multiple spider people, but it literally could be that the, the police officer was like, this is another Spider-Man, and he just wears a dark costume. So, dark Spider-Man? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> like, it's not totally clear which one is which one is happening, but I like 
both of both of them in this world make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> uh, just Spider Man <laughs> is fine, but it's also it's it's funny given everything that's going on. It is, yeah, because he doesn't say Black Spider Man or like you know Black and White Spider Man or anything. He specifically says Dark. <laughs> the word Dark is what makes it funny because that's yep. like such an evocative word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So later that day. Harry meets up with Peter at their usual cafe. Uh, this time, Peter's like instead of you know being at like their window front bar, Peter's like oh my like, god, sp- <laughs> Peter's like sprawled out on a table, like like um like leaning back with sunglasses on inside with a like, giant cupcake in front of him because he's cool now. I oh guess <laughs> I'm mad that he had this swanky jacket in the last episode after he got the black suit and i thought it was going to be like in spectacular spider-man when he starts wearing a black t-shirt or whatever oh right? sure yeah i thought it was just gonna be like that's, that's just you know a, a, indicative of the personality change he's going through but no he's back in his red hoodie again and it's just like no dude you're trying to like put on this like cool and confident persona like you have the outfit to match it, so do it. I think it would. I think like it would be a minor thing, but I think the scene would play like marginally better if he <laughs> was dressed better, because or dressed not better well, if he was dressed in a more stylish outfit to match yeah. what he's trying to be right now. You know. So it's it's so funny. You come into this scene with like legitimate criticism about like the creative decisions of the show and like what might have enhanced the scene and stuff, and I'm coming in here being like, I just fucking hate Peter right now. I just hate him so much. But here's the thing. Right. Like, I'm going to be clear about, like, what I think is being done well and successfully versus just what I get annoyed watching personally. Right. Because here's the thing. They're doing something like you already said, like similar to what Spider-Man 3 does um, and what plenty of properties are going to do or or have done with Peter in the black suit. Um, And they all manifest in different ways that all surround the idea of being more confident or being more powerful and sort of losing his sort of like core sense of Peter Parkerness, right? Yeah. Um, And in this version, we have a Peter who is so supremely uncool, uh, generally, Mm -hmm. that this version of confident, arrogant Peter Parker is like what a uncool kid thinks being cool is like. Yeah. And it's so fucking annoying, but it's a really good choice. It's so, exactly like, what they, the thought process was in Spider-Man 3 as well. And that's also a case where the dark Peter Parker was very annoying to people because well, like Tobey Maguire's cool is like still a giant dork. And it's sort of and in this way in and in this one. It's not that he's a dork. It's just that he's like, I mean, he is a dork. He's unbearable. He's unbearable. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he is but, extremely annoying. But here's what I want to say about it. Right. Because. I think the reason I want to be, like, super clear about what I think is being done successfully by its own measurement versus, like, what I enjoy watching, I think this is a circumstance. And this is okay. This, uh, this is this is not a necessarily, like, a bad thing. But I do think it's something worth thinking about in that, like, I understand what they're doing without them having to tell me. And I don't even think it's necessarily out of line with what they're wanting to do. I think they're hitting all of the things they want to hit, but it still ends up being annoying as fuck. Like Peter, I still end up watching this and being like, good God, Peter. And I think part of that is probably similar to Spider-Man three, where it's like, we get what you're doing. doesn't change the fact that he's supremely annoying. And I know you're trying to annoy him, like annoy us with him. Like you're trying to make him unlikable, but I just, (laughs) just like, (sighs) Uh, so it's like, 
you're succeeding at what you're trying to do, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't help that it's such a it, it it is like meant to be such a radical change. Like they literally comment on him having changed overnight, right? Yeah. Well, and that's so, like, that's part of the problem too. Is like you said, yeah. there should be another episode in between last and this that maybe builds it up a little bit more so that it's not that overnight thing, which again, they address right there. So it's not like they have, it's not like they're unaware of what they just did, but yeah, it's definitely not a gradual transformation that he goes through whatsoever. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Very, he's a real, 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 so annoying. So (laughs) annoying, which again, they're doing on purpose. It's not an accident, but God, yeah. if he isn't so fucking annoying. <laughs> and this is this is one of those things where, like, if you're watching the show and aren't like super in on it already, you know, like it, this just is going to come aco- come across as cringy, and I would not blame anyone for just being yeah. like, "I'm out." Nope, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what's unfortunate about it, right? It's because like they are. I think they're intentionally making Peter as cringe as possible, but you know, if it's cringe, it's cringe. <laughs> yeah, there's a way to do it. And I think that you, but I think you have to build up to it appropriately. So like the audience fully understands like the circumstances of it. And so it's like putting some kind of like punctuation on, yeah. on what's happening, but because it's an overnight thing, it's just like, nope, suddenly he just yeah. sucks. Okay. This is where we're at now. <laughs> That's probably my most like legitimate criticism of it is just how quickly it happens. Cause I don't even think the way he's acting is, is a bad choice necessarily, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just the the rapidness of it, I think, is probably what what really hurts it. And they appropriately, they, they, to their credit, they appropriately have like every single person in the world comment on yeah. how bad and weird his behavior is. Yep. So it's you know we're, there's never a question of if we're if we're supposed to be on his side or not. Exactly. That's all really well done. It doesn't help the fact that we still st- are stuck with the Peter for an episode that sucks. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard because it's it's the reconciling like uh, like critique versus personal reaction. And my critique yeah. of it is it's mostly fine. Uh, my personal reaction to it is like, shut the fuck up, Peter. I can't stand you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that just that's a success. I'm supposed to feel that way right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, yeah, Peter's there being annoying. Um <laughs> he talks with Harry about Adrian Toomes, um, because you know, Adrian is working at Os- Osborne Academy right now. Uh Harry says that they're lucky to have Toomes as genius at Osborne Academy. So he's like willing to overlook whatever, you know, whatever crimes uh Toomes has committed. Red flag, Vulture- red flag. <laughs> right, red flag. Uh but Peter remains suspicious, claiming that people don't change overnight, <laughs> which who funny coming from you, yep. buddy. Uh, and Harry actually, that's when he notices, that's when he kind of notices it and points out uh, Peter's sudden change of behavior. It's just like, you seem to have changed overnight. So, and Peter's like, it's just a little confidence, bruh. And then, you know, eats a cupcake grossly. He's also, again, wearing sunglasses inside throughout this entire the interaction. ugliest is, fucking sunglasses, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's worse. I think that's another, it's worse because he's wearing, again, wearing those sunglasses, but none of his other outfit has changed. So it's just like his regular hoodie outfit with ugly sunglasses on. (laughs) That's confident Peter, I guess. But again, it's like a dork being confident. Yeah. So I think, like, because like all the things he says, the like, just a little confidence, bruh. I'm like, ew, why are you talking like that? And I'm like, oh, it's because you're actually not cool. (laughs) Right. Even he says, like, if I'd been like this at Midtown, I would have been way more popular. And it's like, no, No. you would have gotten bullied more if you were like this. Everybody would hate you. Flash never would have warmed up to you. He would have just kept hitting you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, he leaves Harry with a fist bump and a kapow. You know, there's a lesson here in like what makes you quote cool is being your authentic self because Peter is accepted by most people in his life as annoying as he is because he's at least authentic. And it's when yeah. he's acting like this that people are like, excuse you, <laughs> you know, because right. we've seen Flash already and Flash and him seem to be at a point where the two of them can tolerate each other mm-hmm. or even perhaps be friendly to one another. And they're still oil and water, you know, so I think a lot of it has to do with authenticity and this just isn't it. Yeah, yeah, fully agree. You can tell when somebody is just like being fake. All the mm-hmm. <laughs> that kapow, man. I, ugh. <laughs> It's all oh Ugh. god, and then it's like he tosses his coffee cup like into the trash oh can, like gosh. over the shoulder. Like everything about it is just the worst. Like I hate oh. it so much. Do you can they not drink coffee on this show? Because they're always drinking smoothies, and the one time he has a coffee cup, if you pay really close attention, you can see the liquid that he's drinking, and it's green, which I'm oh, assuming what? means it's tea. So like, are they not huh. allowed to show high school age people drinking coffee? <laughs> like. That's strange. Yeah, isn't that weird? I've never heard of that being a rule, but I mean, mate, mate, I wonder if there's a if there's not a rule, like maybe they're they're uh, like hesitant to do it. Like I don't know. So I don't. But then why have them in a coffee shop? Like I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. That seems like (laughs) that seems like they just like just thought it would be fun to have them drink tea and smoothies instead of coffee. Maybe. Maybe there's a joke buried in there that they got that we're not getting where it's like, isn't it funny? They go to a coffee shop and never order coffee. It only stood out to me because the the because they made a point to have the liquid he's drinking be like bright green goblin green. <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have thought about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Very weird. Anywho, we cut to Osborne Academy where Norman is talking to Adrian Toomes, who's now fully established and working there. Um, And Norman asks him to break into Horizon High to gain intel on their Stark Expo project. Um, They have a longer conversation than this where Adrian Toomes basically says, like, I'm pretty sure I know what they're working on, and it's probably this thing called V-252. We also get a little bit of a timeline on this, which I was surprised by. Because mm-hmm. Toomes says that Horizon High was gifted the V-252 three years ago by the Space Administration, oh, yeah. which I thought was a really strange timeline to commit to based on, like, the amount of progress they're making rapidly right now. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to matter because I, I still don't know if we're going to get the flashback or deep backstory on the adults. Like, mm-hmm. I still don't know. That could play into it. Who knows? But we do get that bit of information, and I have no idea what to do with it. I just thought it stood out. Anyway, Toombs is like, I don't want to break into Horizon High. I can give you the information that I have so far, which is actually quite a bit of information. But I'm not I, I'm not going back to prison for, uh, you know, a breaking and entering charge. Like, that's that's stupid, Norman. First off, I love that he just opposes Norman, like, to his face. Like, right? good job, Adrian Toomes. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Especially because yeah. the reason you're out of prison is Norman Osborn. Like, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Um, but two, I fully did not expect what happens next to happen, which is Alistair Smythe interrupting their conversation after clearly eavesdropping on it to say, I'll do it. I'll break into Horizon High, and I'll do it with, with the Vulture tech. I've been wanting to use that tech since I saw it. Well, this damn, kid. Alistair. <laughs> this kid. He's like, it, this is like, there have been multiple times 
where he's just like showed up, just walked into a room mid conversation, yeah. interrupting them, having heard the entire thing. Like he's is this, that I asshole think this, who's just yeah. listening in on people. <laughs> he is constantly eavesdropping in every conversation that he can. Like yep. he has no other hobbies or outside life. No, <laughs> no, he's just looking for his chance. You know, I will yeah. say this makes Alistair Smythe way more interesting to me than he's been thus far. Mm-hmm. I I actually really like this sort of twist. I don't know if there's precedent for it, uh, but I I like it. Yeah. I like this. Uh, I like what it what it could mean for this show too. I have no idea if it means anything, but I like what it could mean. Yeah, I just the fact that he's doing something other than just what his daddy is telling him to do. I think, yeah, makes yeah, for it more sure. Interesting. He's acting independently, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. So back at Horizon High, Max is breaking it to the students and also like one like the usual group and then one yeah. random kid that doesn't say anything that's never appeared before. I don't yeah. know who that kid is. Really I have weird. no idea. I think he appeared when Peter first met the students, but he didn't say anything then either. <laughs> just like a standard background kid at Horizon High. Because yeah. it's just Anya, Miles, and Gwen, and Max, and then Peter walks in. One other kid. <laughs> one other kid who we've never – okay. Hi, hi kid. And then, we, and then we don't see him again later in the episode either. Or, nope. So nope. <laughs> I don't think we see him in the next episode either if I'm remembering correctly. So like, okay. I don't think so. I will say this show is not especially committed to filling out its backgrounds, no. uh, which we will see sometime. I mean, early on, that pilot, those pilot episodes did a good job with that. Remember we praised like the auditorium full of students – um, but in that same episode, they also just, like, didn't have anybody in the background as, yeah. like, shit was hitting the fan. So yeah. we should have seen this coming, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes is, they it's... drop, like, one extra person in, and they're like, a background. <laughs> right. And it's just like, no, that's, like, not the place you want a rando in, in no. like, an intimate conversation. <laughs> no. <laughs> an nope. intimate conversation in these giant empty rooms otherwise. Like, yep. come on. Yep. Um, yeah. It's w- anyway. 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 <laughs> not important. <laughs> Matt- not important. Max is breaking it to the students that due to the V252's disappearance, I'm just going to be so glad we never have to say V252 ever We're again. We're very close. We're so close. <laughs> due to its disappearance, uh, they're going to have to come up with a different presentation for the Stark Expo. Um, so Anya is kind of lamenting the possibility that Horizon High could lose the Stark Expo for the first time ever. Which, That's, pause, I don't... what? The first time ever? No one has ever won the like grand prize at the Stark Expo, except for Horizon High, that is wild. They don't establish how long it's been around, right? So maybe this is only no. like the third annual one or something, which would be more reasonable. I yeah. but if if it's been going on for a long time, then like that's that's something that I think your board or whatever would have to call bullshit on because like that just is going to be unfair at a certain. Yeah. Point. Well, I think uh, I think you know if yeah if it's very short lived, like if the Stark Expo is new. Then you could argue like, well, they probably had no com- like no, I guess competition until Osborne Academy shows up. But to even have a competition like this when something like Horizon High exists, uh, yeah, you'd think that they would need to do something differently. But we're thinking about it more than they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah. is supposed to be stakes. Doesn't feel like stakes, but no. it's supposed to be stakes. It's also like it's I I I don't I don't always love like Horizon High is cool as like a setting and everything. I don't always love when it's just like magic school that does everything the best and that everyone loves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like they win every competition ever. It's just sort of like I don't care. You like okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, Peter kind of joins the meeting and insists that there's nothing to worry about because he can think of several winning ideas in one afternoon, and then he leaves. Yeah. 
Cool. Just pops into the meeting and be like, chill, everybody. I'm the guy who lost this shit, and I'll fix it. Bye. Honestly, they should be angrier, angrier at him, given yep. that like it's been established that he was the last one who had it, and then it disappeared after he had it, and he never told, and he like could never tell them yeah. where it was. They, it's weird that like they haven't been consistently ripping him a new one since then. No, that's actually that's actually a legitimate complaint of mine about this particular arc is that Peter is is specifically considered responsible for its missing, like it being missing. Um, and Max has enough information to at least investigate Peter and just doesn't. And none of the other students, aside from being like annoyed by him, seem to care as much as they should. Nope. Um, and, and that's a I, I feel like that's a problem because Harry, under just pure suspicion of sabotaging another student, was suspended from the school. So, like, yeah, I feel like they established a rule and then didn't follow it here. And I really am annoyed by that. <laughs> Yep, I know it's I our agree. main character, so they're just sort of hoping we don't notice, but I noticed. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know. I think you're going to notice no matter what, because even at the end of the episode, I think it's it's weird mm-hmm. how little of a punishment he gets, yep. or reaction really at all with it. What, what, yeah. For, yeah, we'll get to that later. But I, yeah, agree. that's a very big, I think if they didn't want to, if they didn't want to go through with dealing with the consequences of Peter, like having such a massive fuck up then they shouldn't have had him have such a massive fuck up like they should have just had the v252 disappear without peter being involved or without them knowing that peter was involved at all so and the worst thing that he does is just well yeah be irresponsible by or the worst thing that he does is just slack off by not helping them look for it as far as they know right which is weird because we we even pointed out that they opened that door and just didn't walk through it you know what i mean like they literally had somebody there steal the v252 yeah I mean, th- th- yeah, this is it's not even necessary. So it's like weird that they then pursue it and then don't follow the rule they established in the consequences of pursuing that story. It's very strange. Very strange. Um, and it's probably I mean, the show, I think to this point, the show has done a really good job of like keeping me from having like very large story complaints. Mm-hmm. But I think this is probably the biggest one so far where I'm like. Come on. <laughs> well, especially because you know that it would be a really interesting story if there yes! were consequences of what Peter did. You know? Yeah. It's not like you're just not pursuing something boring. Like, I can I can pick apart the little things where you're like, let's go clean up the lab and then don't clean up the lab. That's more yeah. of a distraction than an actual story complaint. I don't need to see them yeah. clean the lab. But this, this is like, you could have done something here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It could have been a permanent fracture in the group that Peter has to, like, <sighs> work on repairing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Everybody's just chill with, with annoying, irresponsible asshole Peter just acting like a <laughs> jerk. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> so that night we see sort of the the Alistair and Vulture of it all because Alistair in the Vulture suit infiltrates Max's office searching for the V-252. So clearly Norman said, go for it, right? Which is totally Norman's brand. I mean, Alistair basically saying, like, I don't give a shit what happens to me. Like, I'll do whatever. Like, let's get the yeah. thing. It's like, th- Norman probably was, like, elated at this. It was well established that Norman loves putting teenagers oh, in danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Loves putting, t- two things. Loves putting teenagers in danger. Loves people who are, like, totally amoral. You know what yep. I mean? So yep. what better thing than a teenager who's amoral putting himself yeah. in danger for Norman's interests? Mm-hmm. It's like the son he doesn't have yet. 
That's why they that's why they designed Alistair to look so much like the classic Harry Osborne because he basically is like Harry Osborne. He's like the, yeah. he's like the Harry Osborne that Norman wished he had. There you go. I, yeah, that's so sad. That is so sad. <laughs> right? That is so sad. Ay ay ay. Anyway, so Alistair is in Max's office searching for the V two fifty two. Max ends up entering the office while Alistair is in there and Alistair being new with the vulture tech can't really stay hidden. He like knocks something over with the wing and Max sees him and is like, Oh my gosh, Adrian, because he sees the vulture suit and you know, Alistair attacks Max. He like throws him into a desk uh, and like starts to beat the crap out of him (laughs) nearby. Peter hears this suits up and confronts the vulture also assuming it's tombs, which again makes sense. So yeah, they have a little bit of a fight in the uh, in in the um, in the like kind of office room that that they're in, um, and it very quickly escalates because Spidey is 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 Dark Spider Man right now. So dark Spider Man proceeds to just he basically I mean Alistair has been in the Vulture suit for what like three hours, so like <laughs> S- Spidey beats the shit out of him, right? Like yep. that's that's the whole deal, and he is, he does assume that he's like a seasoned supervillain too, um, to you know to. In Spidey's defense, I guess. He doesn't know that he's beating up a teenager. He's thinking that he's teaching Tombs a lesson. Um, But Max, of course, stops him. He explicitly says, no, Spider-Man, stop. Can't you see he's had enough? You're going overboard. (laughs) Which, it's like, it's fine. It's a kid's show. It's a little bit spelled out a little too much. You could have just even cut out the you're going overboard thing. And I think it would have been more effective because then Spider-Man realizes it on his own, inferring it from what Max says. But it's whatever. It's fine. I think it's heavy because of how fast they're doing it. Like, I think because they're going so fast, they're sort of like, they're reinforcing how bad it's getting so fast by calling out how bad it's getting because otherwise yeah. in the first 10 minutes you could you could almost miss it you know what i mean mm-hmm. so I, I i don't think it's great either but i i have to assume that's why they're so heavy-handed with those types of comments because max yeah. isn't the only one that's really true yeah there's this there's not a lot of subtlety in this in this episode yeah um unfortunately i mean you know and it's like it gets the point across and everything but it's another thing where it's just sort of like i don't know y'all had like 26 episodes in your season you could have done one other one yeah. as part of this arc like it, why did it have to be this one episode yeah. come on i will say given the pace though it's very clear that they're being purposeful about what they're doing you know it's not like yeah there were there were times in unlimited where we were like what the fuck is the pace of the show and it was just like, it seemed like you have too much and you're cutting it down and that's causing problems. In this case, it does feel like, even though I don't love the choice for them to move as fast as they are, they do seem really aware of how fast they're moving. Doesn't yeah. necessarily make the product better, but I'm at least encouraged by the fact that they seem to be aware of it. Yeah, and I do get the sense, this, and this might be informative of me seeing a little more of the show, but I do get the sense that they are planning pretty far ahead as, like intentionally oh, yep. as they're doing this, you know? Um, and not even just like, we'll plant the seeds and deal with it later. Like, I think that they are thinking through how they want to break this whole season, even even with how long the season is. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, so it makes sense. That, so it's probably like was determined early on, like, we can only make this one episode specifically so we can fit in other stuff that we want to do, you know, towards the end or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, like. That's cool. I'm glad that they that they seem to be. They were honestly seem to be thinking through things more than I expected going into the show. But mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily make it make it make it work when the episodes are paced like this. So. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons: Gemma Nicole, Katie, Greg, Mike, Flux, and Eric. 
If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Yeah, so... Max's like very over the top direct like assertion that Spidey's going overboard does give Spidey pause, um, but that gives Alistair an opportunity to kind of get out from from under Spider Man to grab Max and just like has been well established with the past Vulture episode, throws him out of the window so we can hear just much more of that beautiful Fred Tatashori screaming. This is a, I will say not that Fred. Tat- I mean. Who am I to ever critique Fred Tanishore? But I will say this is like a much better scream. Uh, maybe because we yeah. only hear it one time, but uh, there's there's more dimension here. He's not just mm-hmm. like yelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I'll listen to Fred Tanishore yell like directly into my face as much as he wants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> say anything you want, man. I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> this poor man. Poor Max. I know. <laughs> How poor guy. is... How has he not had a heart attack at this point? I know. That's what I'm saying. He's like, I'm assuming he's like, what, 40 years old at least, right? At least, yeah. He's a big dude being thrown many stories, like, seemingly every other week. Mm Mm-hmm. Strong heart, this guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just what you get on a superhero show. Everybody has, like, impeccable impeccable brains so that they can get knocked out, like, 40 times and never have any brain damage or concussions from it. <laughs> and they can get thrown out of the window multiple times without ever having a heart attack. So. I mean, why not, right? If, like, yeah. there are superheroes, then why isn't the average person just a little bit more durable? Sure. Yeah. Fine with me. It makes makes it so you can, you know, just keep yeah. throwing them out of, out of the window every it's other It's almost episode. required for the universe to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, so Max has been thrown out of the window. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man sticks a tracer on Alistair so he can go and save Max. Max comments on Spidey's kind of odd change in behavior. Spidey brushes it off with a joke and then leaves Max with, again, a fist bump and a kapow. Which I think is an interesting detail. I don't think that it's going to matter in the story, but I like the fact that both Peter out of his suit and Peter in his suit gives somebody a fist pump and says kapow because Mm -hmm. to me it shows that there's a carelessness with the way that he's acting because he shouldn't be he shouldn't be doing something so obvious both in and out of his suit even if he does it to different people Mm -hmm. i just think it's like a good detail to illustrate that carelessness yeah fully agree so alistair reports back to norman the absence of the v252 which is not good because that's literally the whole reason he broke into Horizon High and heads back to Osborne Academy. Spider-Man does see Alistair flying in that direction and then pulls up his little tracer 
app on his little wrist um, and confirms that that is where, as he understands it, the vulture is headed. So he heads there as well. When he gets inside of Osborne Academy, he sees like all the security measures, including like a big room of lasers and like uh, just all sorts of stuff. And he like handles it very quickly and like makes fun of their security because he's in his black suit and nothing is a challenge to him. And even like makes fun of Osborne Academy because he like looks in on a classroom that's like half empty and is like, well, this isn't as impressive as I would have thought because <laughs> he's a dick. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so he does all that. And he ends up like crawling through the ducks and he sees a room that has like a bunch of what he assumes are the Stark Expo projects. And he's like, well, I shouldn't be doing this, but fuck it. And like takes a bunch of pictures of their stuff, which again is just to illustrate that like he's getting worse. He's now yep. doing things that are explicitly bad um, before ultimately finding Adrian Toomes in a lab working on what does look to be Vulture Tech. So. Uh-huh. You know, you can see where the misunderstanding would would take him. <laughs> of course. And it takes him there. It sure does. Oh, it sure does. Yeah, because when we get to the lab, Spider-Man violently confronts Tombs, who, again, he, he hasn't been the vulture, right? So, like, he is... Which we know. Which we know. Spider-Man doesn't. He just sees, you know, Tombs outside of his vulture gear, just minding his own business, and then he just attacks him. Um, Harry, of course, walks in on this. The, the kid who hates Spider-Man more than yeah. anyone in the universe right now sees sees Spider-Man violently attacking his teacher. Um, who we just saw him praising like five minutes mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> uh huh. And he's even like, dude, it's like, I because you know, Spider-Man's like, but he's the Vulture. He attacked Max Modell. And Harry's like, no, he's I've been here for hours, and p- tons of students can verify his alibi. You just suck, Spider-Man. I hate you so much. Rar. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Spider-Man like tries to prove to him that like, no, he's the vulture and he checks his tracer and then realizes, oh, he's in the building, but he actually isn't in this room. So it's like, what? There's another vulture. Um, and then he grabs tombs with the intention of just straight up torturing him for answers. He's like, I'll make you confess. Yeah. Instead of considering that maybe he was wrong, he's just like, no, you did this. You yeah. did this. <laughs> yeah, because I think, doesn't he think, like, he just, like, he, uh, put the tracer, he, like, he doesn't, th- no, he doesn't think there are two vultures at this point. He no. thinks he just, like, removed the tracer or, or something. Yeah, no, he, his vulture gear. he doesn't figure it out. He literally is just, like, like, to us, it's obvious the mistake he's made, and it should be obvious to him that, like, oh, shit, like, I'm in the wrong place, but he just assumes that Tombs took his gear off or put the tracer somewhere or fucked with the tracer somehow. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I'll make you talk, right? I think yeah. he literally says that, doesn't he? He says, I'll, I'll make you confess. I there think. you go, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so Harry sees this. Again, he knows that it's 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 a teacher who, as far as he knows, is innocent, being just straight up assaulted at random by Spider-Man. And he's right. <laughs> and he's right. He's right. He So Harry grabs, like, this sonic enhancer, which I like that, I like this little bit. So, so basically Harry uses the Vulture's tech on Spider-Man and we know the symbiote is, yep. uh, you know, susceptible to Sonics. So it shoots out the, the vultures like Sonic stuff, um, his Sonic blast, whatever you call it, um, which causes the suit to the, to react. Right. What I like about that is that Harry mentioned offhandedly in their coffee shop scene about how he was messing with uh, vultures tech. Now that tombs was at their school, like that he got, oh, to, yeah. he got to like mess with it and experiment with it. So, it justified, like, even though it's offhanded, like, I didn't even notice it really the first time around, but because they established that, it makes sense that he would 
A, recognize what that random little piece of equipment on Adrian's desk is, and B, know how to use it because he already has before. Yeah. That's like good, smart writing. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is the part of the episode that starts to, this this is where I start to be like, okay, like I'm, I'm starting to be on board. I think maybe in like a beat or two is where I was like, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm more here for this episode than I thought I was. It kind of started a little bit with Alistair, but it wasn't enough for me to like really reconsider but here's where it starts to happen yeah this is definitely a major turn in the episode for the better i fully agree yep yeah because as a reaction to getting hit with the sonic waves the symbiote's like starting to freak out and unravel Mm -hmm. a little bit so it reacts by like shooting out a bunch of tendrils to throw harry against a wall which is the first time that we've really seen the suit act independently of peter yeah Mm -hmm. and this is the first time we see spider-man really sort of like check what like not just check himself as a result of somebody being like hey calm down but like check himself at at what the suit could possibly be he doesn't understand it yet but he does know that he just hurt harry and he's like whoa whoa like i don't want to hurt harry something's going wrong here and he sort of like breaks out of the rage that he was just in he lets tombs go and acknowledges like maybe i'm not fully in control and he just rushes to leave osborne academy because he doesn't want to hurt anybody anymore so this is the like the moment of realization for him. <laughs> yep. And there's a cool cut here too. Like they they have yeah. him they have him jump out of the window of Osborne Academy with the suit still sort of unstable and with tendrils and stuff. And then they don't actually show where Spider-Man goes because that frame transforms into a video screen that Toombs is playing for Norman Osborne. I thought that was neat. It was really neat. I, that was that was the other moment where I was just sort of like, okay, this episode is going to be doing something, some cool stuff, I think. Like, yeah. it just starts feeling different because that's not a type of scene transition that this show has ever done before. Yeah. I thought it was really nice. It confused me at first, but once I realized what they were doing, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. Like, let's do this. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Toombs is playing this video of Spider-Man running from that lab with the unstable, tendrily suit. And he says, see that right there? That's the V-252. I'm I'm sure of it. And not only is that the V-252 that Spider-Man is wearing as a suit, I think it's probably alive because it's acting real strange. <laughs> so right. it, I, it's interesting to me that Horizon High has been studying this stuff and Osborne Academy is actually the first entity to understand it as we, the audience, understands it. I think that's interesting. I think that's really interesting. I mean, maybe it's just a major part of the fact that Horizon High just has Max and a bunch of students looking at it. And Osborne Academy, it probably is. Well, no, they weren't studying it, though. Like, how does Adrian know all this stuff? Was he? So I think I don't think that Max and Horizon High having the V252. Having the V252. I'm going to fucking leave that in because I'm so sick of saying that shit. And I need everyone to know. we're so close we're so close (laughs) but i don't think that that max having the v252 is a secret i don't think it's confidential right um i think the stuff that adrian was talking about is the type of stuff that people in the scientific community would probably know um so i think all he communicates to norman is probably what's available to the public or at least the scientific community and adrian tombs is a genius so i think he's drawing conclusions but what he the conclusion he draws here the fact that it's that he thinks it's alive is from what he sees with his own eyes i don't think he 
I don't think he necessarily thought that beforehand. Um, but I'm sure that given the like adult science drama of it all, they were all paying attention to the fact that Max had this and that Max quote scored this sort of like experiment from the space foundation, whatever they call it, whatever they call NASA, (laughs) um, you know, the space, I keep wanting to say Federation, but that's obviously not it. (laughs) Space Uh, force. Space force. Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wait till next week. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's why he knows about it. Um, but I think this is just him seeing it and being like, oh, okay, there's something more to it. It's a bit of a jump, but I don't think he's necessarily saying with certainty that that's the case. I think it's more of a suspicion. Yeah. Um, when he's witnessed, witnessed what it did like firsthand right. at this point in a way that I assume no scientists who have studied it have ever seen it in that circumstance before. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think it's fair for him to see it and be like, I don't think that's uh, inorganic. (laughs) I don't think that's tech. Yeah. I think it ultimately checks out just because of him having like now experience, like very up up close and personal experience with it. Yeah. I think any of the scientists in this show would draw the same conclusion. And in fact, some of them will. So yeah. in any case, Alistair chimes in and is like, well, of course I couldn't find it at Horizon High if Spider-Man was wearing it. Cool. Thanks, Alistair. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He just said what literally everybody already knows. And Norman concludes that Spider-Man must have some sort of inside connection to Horizon High if he's wearing the substance that Max Modell was given. And so he vows to demonstrate to Spider-Man that Osborne Academy is superior so that Spider-Man will be on their side. And he vows to do this by any means necessary, which very on brand. I love that that connection is being made too, because uh-huh. I think we were even commenting on a couple couple episodes ago sure. about how often Spider-Man is showing up at Horizon High stuff and people are going to notice that. And yeah, nor- the fact that Norman Osborn is, is the first person to really firmly establish that he has noticed that, like the biggest villain in the show so far has noticed mm-hmm. that. I'm really excited to see where that might end up going with him having that knowledge now. Because that's, that's going to obviously kind of inform his motivation. And I think that elevates like, just like rivaling genius schools to something different. Yes. When yes. now he recognizes that, that there are actual like different types of stakes involved oh. and things that he was, he's going to want out of Horizon now. Very that. Because I think we were wondering like what the, like, not necessarily wondering what the point of having the two schools was, but like what their sort of vision for the two schools was. And it's becoming clear. Like it is becoming clear what the conflict between them will be in the context of a superhero show. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally really like what I'm seeing so far. I do too. Um, yeah. I'm very excited for that. I also really like the fact that the folks at Osborne Academy are seeing things that Horizon High isn't. I think that's really interesting i think it's a fun way to go about this because i think what it demonstrates is that horizon high has this sort of optimistic view of things and so they see everything sort of from a more optimistic or like good faith place and it almost blinds them a little bit to some of the the darker possibilities of things but when you have osborne academy over here being run by norman fucking osborne they're going to see things from an opportunistic place and that's leading them to conclusions that horizon high students and faculty aren't getting to because they're not they're not thinking about how does this benefit me or how can i warp this to my interests i mean it's gonna it's gonna take them to different places um and i just think that's really compelling i think so too i i just i love the idea that they have 
your kind of good school and evil school, but it's not like the good school is the best and the evil school is the worst. Like they're not like yeah. the Slytherins that are like losing, you know, losing whatever their competitions and stuff are. Like it is they they just have different the Osborne Academy is full of a lot of evil people and villains. True, but like there you could argue that like if you're not if you're not seeing that side of it if you're just a student choosing one school over the other they are just two schools with like different sort of worldviews and perspectives on how to on how to like interact with science and technology and innovation you know um well i think that's just... very much what it is because a lot of what we're considering evil in the part of the cast of osborne academy is what we know not what's been established in universe right because right. if you look at all the people who are or will be at osborne academy or that we suspect may end up there most of them with the exception of norman osborne himself and alistair they're all complicated characters i mean we in this same episode see adrian Toomes specifically say i'm not trying to go back to prison norman like <laughs> i've got a second chance which is a theme of this show so far um, and we have Harry, who is a very conflicted character. Again, Herman, we haven't seen Herman, and I have no idea when we will again. But I think that story feeds into that as well, where Herman wasn't a bad kid. Um, he was forced to do bad things and was willing to do them, but I think un- like saw that he was doing that and is rewarded for it, which is a complicated thing for a teenager to go through. So I like what the what this universe is establishing um, it's it's almost like the Alexi thing, whereas like Alexi was an antagonist, but not a bad guy, right? It's sort yeah. of the, the flip side of that, where it's like a lot of these people aren't antagonists yet, but they're kind of bad by association or expectation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, very yeah. cool. It's really it's a lot more that I than I expected, and I'm enjoying it a lot more than when I was presented with the idea of competing genius schools. Yeah, I did, I honestly was not here for that idea initially when going into this, and was I just, just didn't like, know what to expect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it could just go nowhere, or it could be boring. <laughs> but like the yeah, I, I think they're going in the exact right direction that they should go in if they have these. Yeah. if they have these uh these settings. Yep. 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 Agreed. So elsewhere, it seems like probably just around the same time or like right after he leaves, Spider-Man is swinging through the city and he's theorizing that his new suit might actually be like an alien life form that's exercising control over him, which is again a jump, but he also witnessed it firsthand and felt it firsthand. So we can, I guess, buy that he might draw that conclusion. He is one of the geniuses in the show. So if Adrian Toomes is drawing this conclusion, I guess we can buy that Peter is drawing the same conclusion with such specificity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So he goes home. Aunt May hears him and says, go to sleep, Peter. Like, you better not be awake. Peter snaps back at her and we get a moment of like, the venom sort of face emerging on Peter's Spider-Man face as he snaps back at her, which catches him by surprise and surprises May as well. And she has this brief moment of like, what did you just say to me? Like surprise, but also like, excuse me. And so he's like, Oh shit. Like I, wow. I don't know where that came from. So he sort of like sort of recovers and she being awesome is like, it's fine. Just go to sleep, dude. Yeah. Um, and he's like, okay, thanks, sorry, bye, whatever. But another moment where you realize, like, ooh, this is getting bad. Mm-hmm. Speaking for him, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, for real. Because he saw that it acted of its own accord, which is one thing, but to literally speak for him is a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, so naturally, he's like, I got to get this thing off, uh, which is happening way sooner than I would have expected. Yep. Uh, but 
So, okay, this is where I'm talking about, like, I have to separate what I know from next week from this week. Yeah. When I was watching this for the first time and we got to the point where he was like, I need to get this off. I was like, this is happening way too fast. Like, you don't necessarily have to draw this out. But this, I mean, we're getting the entirety of Peter Parker learning his abilities, questioning the suit and deciding he needs to get rid of it all in a matter of about like 12 minutes. And I was like, I just think you're really not utilizing something that has worked so much to your advantage. And so as I was watching this for the first time, even though I was really excited by some of the things that were happening, when we got to this point, I was like, whoa, okay, wow, we got here real fast. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it was the same way for me. I had a, yeah. I had a diff I had a different complaint <laughs> about this. Yeah, scene. yeah. And it's much d- more a lot happens in this episode, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, like we brought up, bef- pretty much any time the symbiote's been at play, there's always that weird question of like how it works in terms of like imitating clothing and stuff, right? Because um, sometimes oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, is he just like naked under there? Or and mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, no, it's like covering his old suit. Sometimes it transformed from his old suit. Depends what it is. And half the time it doesn't make any sense because like you got to have the scene where he like you know rips off, rips the symbiote off of himself, and a cartoon's not going to have like a naked Peter Parker there. Or, or in the case of the '90s show, it has them in like the baggiest boxers imaginable in a way that doesn't make yeah. any sense. But, um, yeah. But this, well, this and they is... also have to consider like who their Peter Parker is. The '90s Peter Parker is an adult, and many of them are children. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Exactly. But this one is a little weird because it kind of goes back and forth with it a little bit with what's under the suit or like sometimes it seems like it's implied that Peter is just wearing his clothes like normal. And then the symbiote's just like sort of like under it, which is sort of like what the spectacular Spider-Man did, or it's like mm-hmm. attached to his body and then flows over his clothing, um, which, you know, doesn't make sense when it's like skin tight, but that's you, suspension of disbelief. That's fine. It's magic. It's alien goo. But there's points in this episode where like you see it sort of like earlier on when the Sonics are hitting it, hitting him. And when he's swinging back home that like when the symbiote is like uh, sort of like flowing off of him or anything or anything, or like there's holes in it, you see his red and blue Spider-Man costume under it. And then in this scene, he explicitly takes it off of himself and his Peter Parker under his Peter Parker clothes under it. And then makes it a point to be like, I'm going to put the old red and blue suit on now, like making it very clear that he wasn't wearing his red and blue suit at any other point prior, even though we've been seeing it like in the past few scenes underneath the black suit. Mm-hmm. Just find yeah, that annoying. <laughs> no, I, that is annoying because this would otherwise have been a really smart thing to do. You know, like if they had just, if they just had resisted the urge to show his suit underneath the symbiote earlier, I actually think it would have been really smart to have him not wearing it at all because of what happens next. You know what I mean? Like what happens next almost requires that he has the suit underneath. Right. um, When everything that happened before did not require him to have the suit underneath. So it's weird. It almost feels like maybe they had this idea and then like just didn't go back to like correct everything beforehand to make the idea work. Yeah. You know, because it is smart in this moment. If you, if, and and you can't fully, but if you can ignore the fact that the suit was there, it is really smart for him to make this decision moving forward. Yeah. Or, or it's smart for them to make him make that decision moving forward. Because it doesn't then, really matter for him. I mean, he's just picking it because he doesn't want to wear the suit anymore. Yeah. Um, but the events that follow do require him to have a suit underneath the suit. 
Exactly. Yeah. So because then then, you know, once he loses the suit, inevitably, like he has his red and blues under it. So he's not sitting there as Peter Parker in front of anybody else. Exactly. But but I think the reason that they show his his red and blue suit earlier is because the it's it's Harry and Adrian Toomes in the room when when we first see the Spider-Man suit under the black suit when the um, when when the symbiote sort of like being fucked up because of the sonic waves so like they can't show peter then you know so it's like but then i think they just don't show what's underneath i think they just make the suit unstable and i think they yeah. could have very easily gotten away with that they could have done that yeah i mean that's honestly i can't even make that like make it a knock against this show because it's part of the course for symbiote stuff at this point where the clothing stuff just makes no goddamn sense i think we had like a 20 minute conversation about eddie brock's pants for the 90s show and that yeah. episode like it doesn't make any sense so Whatever. It's just annoying when it when it could have been cleaner and it, it just wasn't. I mean, I think the smartest thing is just to have it be, and I think we've probably said this before, have it be that the symbiote mimics clothing and that Peter Parker wears a minimal amount of clothing underneath just as a precaution. Yeah, makes sense. There you go. And, and for, teenage, for teenage versions of Peter Parker, that can literally just be shorts and a t-shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Like you're not you're not you're not getting in any weird territory in that in that way. Yeah. Yep. Anywho, it's weird. Symbiote's <laughs> weird. We all know that. Yeah. It is weird. It is weird. Just have him wear it as a t-shirt. It's fine. It's <laughs> right. Fine. Like right, you right. said, it's magic goo. It can it can hide his clothes. Whatever. <laughs> so he he does decide that he can't wear it anymore. And like you said, he does put his red and blues on because he's like, well, I'm not going to wear that anymore. I still need a suit though. And when he does this, I I kind of dig this. When he does this. That's when the suit really starts to act autonomously and be like, oh, hell no, and jumps back onto Spider-Man, which I think is neat. Like, it's I almost like threatened by the suit, uh, which I think is fun. Yeah, I like that, too. I think this is definitely like an interesting um, kind of different sort of take in how they how they portray the uh, Spider-Man symbiote battle, because it's not. Oh, yeah, it, it's not. It's not. uh it's not in a, a heady, like, internal battle whatsoever. It's no. quite the opposite of that, actually. <laughs> and I think it's refreshing, to be honest. I do, too. Like, I, no, I think it's fine. I like it. Yeah, as much as I love the what they can do with the symbiote and the relationship between something that's literally becoming a part of you, I like what they do next, which is, like you said, to make it a literal fight. Like, like basically, Spider-Man is like, I have to get out of the house, which makes sense because he saw what happens when a villain is in the house with Sandman. So I have to get out of the house and he does. And he's like, I got to get back to horizon high. Maybe Max can help me, but the suit like won't let him. So when he tries to web swing, the suit shoots out a tendril on the other side, rendering him immobile. And then they literally fight like they fight suspended in the air. They fight on like a nearby fire escape. They fight like as he's falling, like, and the suit itself is, is battling with him while it's on him. Like, yeah. in the air and, and, and everywhere else. Actually, and we didn't even mention this necessarily, um, It while he's still in the house, like, the suit makes him punch himself in the face. Like it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's wild. It is wild. I was very taken aback when that started happening. Like, because there's a commercial break when he, like, is just, it's just um, it's basically Peter, like, on the floor, just sort of, like, 
just completely like beaten as he's as he's just punching himself and it fades to black. Like he's just punching yeah. himself in the face repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like while he's prone yeah. on the floor. It's wild. Which, and if you haven't like if you haven't watched this episode, like the way that they portray it when he's swinging around is like he's in the black suit, but then the black part of his black suit forms into a sort of amorphous head with mm-hmm. like multiple arms and fists just punching him <laughs> as he's swinging yeah. around. Like he gets, takes a lot of abuse in this one. He does. And I think it's I think it's really, really cool. Like it isn't necessarily I mean, we're seeing the best animation we've seen in this show with the symbiote, which makes sense yeah. to me. I'm not surprised that they're spending, you know, more of their animation budget or frames or whatever it is that they have allotted on the symbiote. It's what everybody wants to see. But mm. we're just seeing cool things. I, I just thought I really and, and they do it more than once. I just really thought it was cool that every time he tried to swing it countered in the other direction yeah and i i just i don't know there was something cool about it it's the whole fight that he has with himself in his room outside of the house through the city i want to see that in live action i think it would look really fucking cool and i just the vision for that whole thing i thought was really really striking i agree and i I do like that because this is another um sort of it's a very particular version of the symbiote where you know, you can you could take it into like an animalistic du- direction. You can take it into like you can take it into like the sort of like I love you and I have to be with you metaphor situation or sometimes not even metaphor. Like sometimes that's literally exactly what it is where it's like mm-hmm. very sentient. And then this one is sort of like kind of in between those two things where it's like it, it it's it's pretty much it's just an alien parasite. Like there's not there yeah. as far as we can tell from it. This isn't that sort of awkward. Like I need to be with you. I need to bond with you. It's just like, no, I'm an alien and I want your body. Body, and if you don't let me have your body, I'm going to beat you up until I can have your body. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's really it's really brutal. <laughs> yep. And very straightforward, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so I'm yeah, I, I, I was really into it. And I was I was actually honestly surprised by the fact that this fight, which is so striking, is interrupted by the vulture. And I honestly like couldn't quite fully expect what happens next and was like very pleased with what they decide to do next because the vulture swoops in grabs spidey while he's fighting his own suit and then drops him on top of oscorp tower and what happens on oscorp like at the top of oscorp tower is another thing that i just i was like the vision for this part of the episode just feels like a movie like it really honestly feels like a climactic scene in a movie or a live action TV episode or something like it feels grander than what I think the show has done this thus far. And I was just really pleased. Yeah. Well, I think it's a few factors, right? I think for one, a lot of the show weirdly is like taken place like indoors, like in kind of smaller spaces than you'd expect. Like not that there haven't been web swinging and outdoor battles, but like a lot of significant ones have been on like smaller scales in smaller settings, um, which is sort of surprising. So this one it takes place on the top of a tower in a very wide open open sky area, oh, and you have Norman such a cool Os setting. It's a really cool setting. You have Norman Osborn like way up high, like elevated, um, like on a balcony type of area, and like his voice is like echoing. Like I guess he's speaking into yep. like speakers or whatever. So like they have this voice bellowing into this giant open space again at the top of a skyscraper in New York that's like towering over New York Ooh. City. Like yeah, it's yep. a very um. It's just a very, like, epic kind of feel to it that, yeah, you get from the climax of a major film. And also the fact that, like, it it is – 
this whole sequence kind of uh, brings together a handful of different storylines mm-hmm. right to the forefront. Like it does feel like this is the culmination of a lot of stuff that's been going on and is going to be kind of a pivot point for later. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I can just imagine all the dramatic lighting and like how they would do the action scenes that, you know, we get a little bit of here, but would have been really stunning in yeah. uh, in live action or a higher animation budget. That's just yeah. really cool. I just am very impressed, which is such a, a difference from the beginning of the episode when I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's why that's wild. why I feel like there was such a turn, because at the top of the episode, I was like, oh, God, no, here we go. And by the end of the episode, I was like, a triumph. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep. They, so. they definitely, they, they, they land, they land at the end. It was just sort of like yeah. a little shaky there at the front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like you said, they're on the top of this skyscraper. Norman Osborn is there. He announces himself. He's not, he's not secretive about who he is or who he's talking to. Um, and he, he basically proposes a partnership with Spider-Man, which makes sense given what he was saying earlier. I just didn't think we'd see it in this episode. (laughs) So he basically says, and this is boiling down this conversation, but he basically says, Spider-Man, if you hand over that suit, you and I can work together to achieve far more with it than Horizon High ever could. Basically saying, I know you're with them. Come with me. We can do way more. Very sort of like villain proposing the hero work with them type of thing, but actually not as heavy handed as some of the other things we've seen in this this episode alone. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really nice. Yeah. When Spider-Man refuses, though, and sort of like, like still struggles with his suit, Norman realizes that whatever Adrian Toomes was getting at must be right, and that Spider-Man can't really control the suit and in this case can't actually get it off himself and so he says he'll get it off of spider-man once again through any means necessary and when he says this both of the vultures reveal themselves to which spider-man of course realizes shit that wasn't adrian tombs (laughs) oh oh i don't know i I don't know why I love this so much, but I just, I really feel like this is some like honestly really good stuff from this team. Yeah, I agree. I I fully agree. I mean, it's just, um, they're playing to their strengths, I think. And it's, it's a lot of good stuff that has been set up in prior episodes. And that's Mm -hmm. set up earlier in the episode that all kind of comes into play right at the end here. And a really, just a really nice fluid, satisfying sort of, um, you know, satisfying, like, uh, conclusion to, to all this stuff. Like, it's, you know, you want to see all the pieces, like, ultimately matter and make sense, mm-hmm. and they all do in this. Yeah. And and they come together in, in, a, in a way where, like, as rushed as a lot of this episode is, I think that this final sequence is is just the right amount of time. It all works. It's a fun fight. Yeah. And, and I think it ends where it, when it needs to end and feel satisfied yeah. at the end of it. And a better fight than I would have expected, given that we were speculating that maybe they didn't have quite the frame budget to pull off some of the stuff that we thought they might want to. But, yeah. you know, with, with actually with any show we've talked about, they just sort of focus on the things that matter most. And I think this is probably one of those battles. And anything to do with the symbiote um, are the things that they're going to focus a lot more of their time on as opposed to a fight with Rhino, you know? Exactly. I anticipate we're going to be surprised by some um, fight sequences as the show goes along. I'm happy about it. Very yeah. happy about it. Me too. And the choreography for this one between the three of them is actually very good. Um, yeah. Not only because it looks nice, 
but because it reflects the fact that one of the vultures is a seasoned user of the vulture tech and the other one is not. Um, I also like the fact that the two vulture suits are just slightly different. Yep. So you actually know which one is which while you're watching the battle. I thought that was really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, Alistair is wearing a lighter version of the suit and I believe he has orange wings mm-hmm. and Adrian is wearing a darker version of the suit and has green wings. And it was the thing I didn't even notice until they were both on screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cause it, it doesn't, Very... it's not like, it doesn't clash or anything like that. It's just yep. subtle differences, but Love yeah, it. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated fight too. Like I don't, env- I don't envy like the storyboarders for it because no. when you have Spider-Man who's specifically meant to be fighting differently than Spider-Man normally fights against mm-hmm. two flying villains who are not supposed to be exactly in sync because like you said one is experienced and one is is new to this like that's a lot of in a in a, in a very like wide open setting as well so you have to have like air battle but like one of these people yep. can't actually fly like that's a lot of really complicated pieces that you have to make work but yeah they make it work it's really compelling yeah, because Spider-Man is able to use the momentum of the fact that he has two flying opponents to never really hit the ground, which is really cool. But the nice thing about him being in the black suit is they also get the opportunity to make Spider-Man do things he wouldn't normally do, which is to take advantage of the fact that Alistair Smythe is inexperienced and use that against both Alistair and Adrian. So mm-hmm. a lot of what he does to overcome them is throw them into each other or make them attack each other, doing things that would be sort of on the border of being okay for Spider-Man at his most sort of like heroic, you know, not that he wouldn't use villains strengths against each other, but it's pretty much entirely how he fights them is to throw is to use them against each other. Really, really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the three are battling, like we said, everything intensifies. Spider-Man's rage grows. Norman examines the effects of the suit on Spider-Man as this is going on. And uh, this, as this is going on, Spider-Man also is sort of better understanding his own suit. So he realizes the effect it's having on him as he fights. So he's like, okay, you know what? I, I can't do this on my own. And I do have someone here who has the smarts to help me with it. So he kind of does the unthinkable and asks Norman Osborn for help with getting his suit off. Yeah. I, do you think they led up to that moment well enough? I felt okay about it. I felt okay about it, yeah. I mean, because that's also playing on the whole episode and his realization of having this like monster on him anyway. Um, and it is also the thing where it's just like, what what was he going to do? Like, he was trying to get to yeah. Horizon, but like, what was he going to do once he got there? You know, it's also nighttime. Yeah. Who's to say anybody's going to be there? Like, he tried getting, him off, getting it off in his room on his own, and that didn't work out. So, like... Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it makes sense. He's uh, he's in a place where he, this is the only person he can turn to. Okay, cool. Because I really thought the end of this episode worked really, really well. I was like very, very here while it was happening. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I think so, too. Yeah. And I was happy that they chose this moment to be the moment where he's actively recognizing his own internal changes as he battles. Like, we got to see it, right? Every time he was fighting, he got worse and worse in the moment which I guess is the tactic they chose instead of doing like a slow burn. They decided Mm -hmm. to do that in short bursts while he fights. But this is the moment where he realizes like, oh shoot, the longer I fight, the worse this gets. So I need to stop fighting. (laughs) Right. So naturally Norman Osborn salivates at this and is like, Spider-Man, aha, you see now. And so Norman uses the two vulture sonic screams and a containment unit that looks very, very much like a Ghostbusters containment <laughs> unit. 
<laughs> which I thought was fun. Yeah. <laughs> to remove the suit from Spider-Man and trap it. So actually successfully gets it off of him. And while I'm watching the episode, I was like, oh my God, Spider-Man, what are you doing? Like, I get it, but what are you doing? And as Norman picks up the the containment unit and begins to celebrate his new acquisition and his new partnership with Spider-Man, Spidey does the right thing, snags the containment unit, reveals he was pretty much just using Norman to get the suit off, and flips off with a V-252. And I'm in my apartment, like, celebrating to nobody because I was like, yes! Yes, he did it! (laughs) I love how easy it is, too, at that point, because Norman's just like, yes, I have it, and Spidey's just like, yoink! And leaves. Norman's like, wait, <laughs> exactly. what happened? <laughs> wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I love it. Like on one hand, it's sort of like it's like, did you not think that Spider-Man was going to betray you, Norman? But then also, like, no, he probably really does think low enough of Spider-Man that he figured that Spider-Man yeah. would just be like, all right, well, I'm going to work for Norman Osborn now. Like, I don't think it even crosses mind that Spider-Man would be thoughtful or smart enough to. To, to just simply take the suit away from him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think it plays with our emotions just right because I think it establishes the stakes of Spider-Man needing to use Norman and therefore, like, relinquishing a certain amount of power and control to someone like Norman Osborn. But then we still get the sort of victorious moment of, like, oh, thank God. Like, oof, you didn't, you didn't really give it over to Norman. Oof, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Spidey has uh, got the V two fifty two back, and Norman, of course, vows to one day have the symbiote, and one day have Spider Man. Norman is the first person in this show to call V two fifty two a symbiote. Yeah, he's which means yeah he's we're the one who coins so it. So close to never having to say V two fifty two again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he is the one who coins it as a symbiote, as a yep. living symbiote. Yep. Well, after leaving Osborne Academy, Peter returns to Horizon High to return the du- V. Uh, uh, the V two fifty two. Fucking uh, I can't even like start to say it without tripping up. I like trip up in advance. It's awful. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, he's going there to return it to Max, and Ma- Max is there, so he does. And like his his excuse is that like like he does apologize for it, but like he doesn't explain. Okay. His He claims that he just took it to run some tests, and he's sorry for just sort of taking it without permission to take some tests or to run some tests. What he doesn't explain is why he, he just, like, didn't tell them for days while they were fretting about it. Like, yep. is the implication supposed to be that he's trying to imply that, like, I ran to take some tests, but maybe I was too embarrassed once I realized what I'd done to, like, tell you that I had it. It's still, like... I don't know. No, I don't think that's what it is. I think the implication, and maybe this is results-oriented, but I think the implication is that Peter is sort of, I think he's trying to tell Max, which we know is untrue and we know is out of character for Peter, which I think explains why Max is so upset. I think he's trying to say, I took the V-252 so that I could do my own tests on it and sort of be the hero of this story of us trying to... (sighs) figure out the v252 like i wanted to be the one to figure it out that i I, chose to do it by myself i wish they had like spelled that out a little bit more because all he says is i was just i was i just took it to run my own tests at home without permission and like the big weight put on it is without permission rather than like and i did it for days without telling you like they put the weight on on the on a weird space and they don't expand upon it more because it ends up being more 
more frustrating because Max is upset about it, but like doesn't question why he had it for so long, why he didn't tell them that that he had it. Well, your explanation makes sense, and I think that actually clarifies it for me. It doesn't but I only feel... got there based on Max's response. Like I wouldn't have gotten there if Max doesn't say what he says in like just you know two beats from now. Yeah, because he's like, you know, he's like, I'm I'm really disappointed in you, Peter. I have to disqualify you from the Stark Expo. Like, you can still, um, you can still, like, well, that's the first part, right? Is to disqualify him from the Stark Expo. He can't earn a grain from a grade from it. But there's a but to it. He's like, but I understand you're a young scientist, and I understand the desire to, you know, make your mark at any cost, basically. So Peter is still ultimately allowed to participate in the Stark Expo, even if he's not going to get graded on it because Max like feels for him so much and just understands him. That is what makes me understand what I think Peter was trying to do, which isn't the way it should have happened. We should have understood what Peter was trying to do before Max related to him, but it does make sense because this is two things. One, it's obviously like trying to explain why Max ultimately doesn't go harder on Peter Mm-hmm. And it is calling back to the thing that we've been we've had dangled in front of us over and over, which is that Max has in his past done something unethical, and he's sort of relating that experience to Peter right here, recognizing Peter just did something unethical, but when he was young, he did shit like that too. Yeah. So like, I get why this interaction is the way that it is. I just don't think it's written well enough to convey what I think they were trying to convey. It's also to its credit it is like in character for max that he just is pretty chill with these kids like and he seems to sort of understand them or let them make mistakes and do do kind of what they want and like just sort of guides them from there like you know i think we talked about it before where it's just like peter will just do weird shit and not do what max asks him to do and he's just like all right whatever <laughs> like so it it sort of fits that there's just not enough weight put on something that really it seemed like there should have been more weight on in this whole scene but you know what i think they should have done instead then if they weren't going to put the weight that we think it deserves onto the situation i don't think max ever should have been outwardly angry in this moment i think he should have been disappointed which i know is like so cliche of like i'm not mad i'm just disappointed but i do think if he if if his realization that peter is doing things or he thinks peter is doing things that max did when he was young then it's more like a recognizing like you know what Peter, I get it. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't be mad at you because I get it, but I'm I'm really disappointed because I hoped that you wouldn't make the mistakes I made. You know, like, I think that could have worked, and I think it, it would have at least eased some of what I would have said, like, why are you not doing more? Because if he gets mad, I'm expecting more. If he's just disappointed, then it's more like the... You made a mistake, but this is a pretty big one, buddy, you know? Yep. Especially because yep. he's, like, yep. Peter's like specifically Peter's mentor. So I don't know this, this scene in general just could have, I think used um, a bit of a rewrite. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Even as Peter's mentor, like, it's not like, I feel like I, I also expect like a lesson to be learned in it or something from him. And it's just like, yeah, science scientists be sciencing. I get it. Anyway, (laughs) it should have been a, it should have been a, like, uh, like, uh, yeah, there's sh- just that. Yeah, there should have been more to it. If he can relate to it, he should be using his experience to guide Peter as opposed to just being like, I get it. You're going to do this sometimes. Like, no, dude, like you're trying yeah, to shake like, off that reputation from yourself. You clearly right. know it's not good. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just Peter did. A, I mean, from their eyes, Peter did something really bad, and no one treats it, treats it as as a bad thing. So, if nothing else, and I, I I recognize that, you know, the the other cast of two B Spider folk really aren't getting a lot of feature in this episode, or um, you know, just any given episode. It's it's sort of a toss up as to how much any any one of them is going to get to talk. Mm-hmm. But if they were a bigger presence, like Anya should be furious. I mean, oh, Anya yeah. should not even be talking to Peter Parker. That was so. the other thing is that I was I was I was waiting for that scene to happen because we've seen we've seen scenes where things shit where where shit hits the fan and Anya calls him out for it, like the 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 Otto Octavius um, f that he got. Oh yeah, Anya, when Anya was freaking about about freaking out about their group average, like. That was a big enough blow up as it was for for not, something that didn't even really affect her. Like this should have been a major like Anya, Anya, I fucking hate you, Peter Parker, thing, and we don't get it. Yeah. And spoiler, we don't get it in the next episode at no. all either. So no, yeah, and I don't I, think I don't get that. I don't think uh, Gwen Stacy speaks in this episode or next week, which is really a massive disservice to the events of what are going on. Yeah. It's so weird that they just like were so opposed to dealing with what they clearly set up. <laughs> yeah. In that like yeah. they, they especially in an episode where they deal with a lot of other stuff that they've set up really well. Mm-hmm. I just they just missed completely completely missed the mark and with it on on the uh, Horizon High kids. Yeah. B- big agree. Big agree. So I think part of why we don't get Max as angry is because Max is being characterized as pretty obsessive about the V-252. And so once he has it back, he's obviously upset and disappointed with Peter, but his relief and excitement at having him having it back sort of takes over, I think, because after they have this very brief, too brief conversation Max asks Peter if he was able to stabilize the V-252 at the very least when he had it for multiple days and pretended he didn't. Um, And Peter sort of replies ambiguously. I think he says like, well, kind of, but he, instead of getting into it, says like, Max, I actually, I compiled all my research. I have a report. I sent it to you. So just look at that and you'll see what I mean. So Max is like excited by this because he's, even though Peter had it, he's still, this is actually a little Norman Osborne-y to be honest. Max is excited that Peter has a research report on the V-252, despite what Peter did to get that research. <laughs> like, he kind of ignores everything Peter did and is just like, yes, the research, and sort of focuses on the fact that now that they have the V-252 and that they have more research on it, they probably could still present it at the Stark Expo. And he says this aloud. So Peter's like, well, hold on, Max. Read my report. I really think it's a bad idea. And so Max is like, okay, fine. I will read your report. I'll read it tonight. And then we'll figure out what to do. Yeah, I guess you're right. They kind of had to breeze past this stuff so they could get to that particular setup for Max particularly, I guess. I still think you could do it better. I think both <sighs> yeah, things can still be true. And it, it, it doesn't have to feel as rocky as it did to get there. Yeah. Oh, well, either way, on his way home, Spider-Man assures himself that... Yeah, Max will definitely agree that the V-252 is just too dangerous to present and and that Norman just wouldn't have agreed to that. So it's still good that Max has it and Norman doesn't, no matter what. He then contemplates the ethics of studying and experimenting on something groundbreaking if it means that it actually could cause damage along the way, saying, I guess that's what scientists call a gray area. Luckily for me, the decision of whether to move forward with the V-252 is pretty black and white. 
The end. Hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I do, even though it's like a little bit hokey, I do like that, you know, he ends with a sort of like dorky Peter Parker scientific thought because it really does sort of circle back to the fact that like he has shed the black suit and he is a normal dorky Peter Parker because uh-huh. this is what scientists would say. It's like, oh, okay, we kind of missed you being a dork. Yeah. I agree. I also, I like it too, because it puts a little, it kind of like puts a little bow on this episode, which if they didn't air these episodes in the same night, three in a row, I think it makes the next episode a lot more of a surprise that it's even connected with this. But we'll get to that next week. Yeah. Yep. 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 I agree. Well, faces of the episode. I just got a couple of screen grabs uh, when like obnoxious, confident Peter in his sunglasses is just, like, talking and being all, like, wannabe cool to the Horizon kids. It's, like, I don't know if I would call this, like, off-model, but it's probably about as off-model as the show would ever, will ever get, um, where it's just, like, they just look really awkward, um, and maybe intentionally so, because he's, like, uh, Peter's, like, talking and chatting up, trying to be cool, and has his hands all over Miles while he's talking, and Miles just looks supremely uncomfortable in both screen ga- grabs in every way possible. You know what it looks like out of context? It looks like Peter's drunk and trying to like tell a story to Miles. And it Miles absolutely is just like, nothing does. you are saying is making sense, Pete. It 100% does. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the second one where he's like got his hand out and he's like, listen to this, Miles. <laughs> You'll never Miles, believe it. And Miles is just like, no, dude, ew, leave me alone. <laughs> I know Miles' hands in both. Miles' hands honestly are like the star of these two screen grabs because I feel like they tell me everything, which is just like, oh, please leave me alone. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> also, Peter and Miles are tiny. Like they really are just tiny human beings. <laughs> yep. Miles in general is he's drawn with like just it feels. I mean, I don't know if it's really like this or if it's just like a trick of the eye. It looks like his head is gigantic and his body is like is like tiny compared to it which i think evokes how ti- how small he is yeah i think it's a i think it's a trick type of thing because his body is proportional but he's just so tiny like he's such a skinny skinny kid which you know spider-verse did too or into the spider-verse did too they made miles like very very tiny yeah um but it is still striking it just how tiny those two boys are <laughs> right <laughs> little spider so, people <laughs> yeah yeah so overall thoughts what did you think oh i don't know i don't know if i have anything beyond what we've already said i think it's like <laughs> it's definitely first half is real messy and kind of obnoxious and very yeah. fast second half sticks the landing that i didn't even know there was to stick to be honest um yeah. it's just a total turnabout really good and then you know the 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 last like the last uh, second to last scene kind of like muddies it a little bit because it's like surprisingly not great. But o- overall, I think like the epi- I see what the episode's doing throughout it and I like what it ultimately lands on. Um, yeah. 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 I agree. I agree with all that. And I would say that this episode contains some of my least favorite stuff that this show does and probably will do. You know, this probably isn't the last time, yeah. but also yeah. includes some of my favorite stuff the show has done and I hope will also continue to do. I feel like this this episode contains some of the most cinematic stuff we've seen, and I look forward to other sort of cinematic visions they may have dancing around in their head for future episodes. 
Yeah, it's definitely a complicated episode in that regard, but I think it's yeah. a nice it's a nice little microcosm of like of of both the good and bad of this show in this one episode yeah. on just sort of like strange extremes to in both directions. Um just funny to see it contained in one, but and it's certainly like I wouldn't say it's my favorite symbiote story of the animated ones that I've seen by a long shot, but Sure. It does really cool, interesting stuff. Yeah. I, I don't have I don't have negative feelings towards it, so Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, it, it's just, it, it's what happens when you take a swing. Sometimes you, you whiff and sometimes you hit a home run and this episode kind of did both, which is wild. <laughs> yeah. Very wild. Very wild. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. I'm glad it's taking swings. That's, that's the thing that I'm happy about. So. Yes. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, if you would like to hear all sorts of things we're happy about and occasionally not so happy about, because sometimes we surprise ourselves, um, you could check out the things we're doing over on Patreon, where we have Spider Bites, where we talk about all sorts of things Spider-Man related. We have After Dark commentaries. That's usually where we surprise ourselves when we dive into a show we've never watched before. Um, And then just other random little bits and pieces on Patreon. So you can check that out at Patreon dot com slash walloping web snappers in the meantime if you would like more from derek and me you can find us all over the place derek where can people find you specifically and the stuff you are doing you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you can also find me on youtube under my video essay series second chance which looks at bad or divisive media but from a positive lens what about you doug you can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4 Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And you can find me on a third podcast called Novel Gaming, which is a podcast about video games and books with a touch of other pop culture. If you would like more from Derek and me, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style, which is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon. We watch every Pixar film chronologically, and our episode on The Incredibles is out now, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can visit our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. That contains everything Derek and I are working on together, including an archive of all of our Walloping Web Snappers episodes and our Falling With Style episodes. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod. You can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. Because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. And those ratings and reviews help us become more visible to more people. Next week, Spidey's dealings with the symbiote aren't done quite yet when he goes to the Stark Expo in the episode called Stark Expo. <laughs> See you then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> The, the last two times we've done white noise, my stomach has not cooperated. It's just been oh, like, man. now I'm going to rumble. <laughs> I always... Well, I hope yeah. my mic doesn't pick up on you rumbling down there, stomach. <laughs>